Hi, I'm Stuart McLeod, CEO and co-founder of Carbon. Welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, the show where I go behind the scenes with the world's top accounting leaders. Today, I'm joined by Joe David, the founder and managing director of two UK-based firms, Nefos and leading crypto accounting firm, Miner. Joe helps entrepreneurs to better understand their finances, make informed decisions, and grow their business. He aims to support highly driven entrepreneurs to live a life that they enjoy whilst gaining financial success and business growth, especially when it comes to crypto. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, Joe David. Joe David, welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. You guys are uh, pretty busy, two companies. It's a pretty manic time. <laughs> but it's you can't complain when things are going well. In the same way, you know, we complain when things aren't going well. So it's you know, things are definitely going in the right direction. But um not my investments. Ukraine and Russia have ruined my crypto investments over the last twenty four hours. Yeah, I mean the market's down ridiculous. Twenty five percent or something. I guess that's just panic selling, is it? What would affect that otherwise? I mean, the price of oil, <laughs> traditional assets are up, oil, gold, and all, all the new ones are down. Is that the way it works? <laughs> yeah, they go to the safe assets rather than the risky assets, which crypto are. So, Well, let's start at the start a bit, Joe. How, how did you come to you know, be involved with crypto and, and then the accounting aspect of, of crypto, and which we'll explore in some detail, I hope, but you know, and, and I'd love to understand sort of the differences in perhaps how the, the UK treats crypto transactions versus US, and yeah, well, how did you end up here? <laughs> For me, it has always been about doing something different and kind of not bowing down to the establishment and all of those sorts of things and the way you're supposed to do it and, and whatnot. And you know, I'm really, really ambitious, and and being ambitious in accounting is quite difficult because we all do the same thing you know and whilst we might say we're different ultimately we're all the same and and i think you know there's also a lot of people that say they're different when maybe they're not because it's easy to say you are because there's no barometer really as to whether you are or not so it was like 2020 you know we're all thinking what can we do with our lives now that we can't leave our houses for the rest of our lives and (laughs) kind of got into researching crypto and you know, YouTube videos and articles and all those bits and pieces. And just, I just was like, this is, this is me all over. Like everything about it felt like me. Did you have a firm at that stage when, when you were sort of getting into crypto? Where, where were you in life at that stage? <laughs> we didn't have a crypto firm, but we had, so Nephos has been going for about eight and a half years. So the kind of like traditional accounting firm, yeah, has been, has been going for a while. So then it was like, how do we scale? What do we? What can we do that that will kind of make a scale, if you like? So that's where crypto came into it, and lo and behold, we scaled. <laughs> well, that's lucky. It's good when a plan comes together, isn't it? Yeah. So that's the yeah, that's the story. And so, Nefos is the accounting firm, and you spun up a, another firm that focused focuses entirely on crypto. Yeah. So d- does and that's called Miner. And so for Nefos, have you sort of just continued that as a traditional firm? How have you sort of planned all that out? Yeah, so what ultimately what we've had to do is hire someone in to effectively run the day-to-day of Nefos because my time is totally taken up now with crypto and, and minor and 
you know, naturally, you know, it's it's my business, so naturally, I'm I'm overseeing the the key kind of strategic decisions and things like that. But that was the big change that we already had a practice manager, but her background wasn't accounting, more kind of on the office management and administration side. So we've just kind of brought in a qualified, you know, three years post qual, you know, accountant from a from a decent firm to kind of head up, um, but also have the same ethos that we had to kind of head that up with our practice manager and and drive things forward. So the big change there is that, yeah, like I say, Netos is carrying on and, and still doing great things, but without me in the driving seat, if that makes sense. How many staff you got in Netos then, and and are they? distributed and and has that firm continued to grow nicely yeah so overall across both companies we've probably got about 15 16 now something like that and we've got a couple of offshore outsourced members of the team as well and that's split and probably got about four at the moment in in minor and then the rest are kind of in nephos but there's obviously shared resources practice managers shared administration shared you know things like that so so that works quite nicely because it's then that kind of economies of scale thing. Because we've taken on, you know, a significant amount of more clients, but we don't need another practice manager or another administration team or, you know, we, we've already had that. So it was just a case of bringing in some more accountants to do the accounting work. Yeah, no, well, that, that makes sense. There you go. You've got some a, a couple of little economies there that you can, don't have to spend twice, right? Yeah, exactly. And it, you know, it makes the whole kind of group, if you like, much more profitable. And so how did you go about, you were learning about crypto when Boris told everybody to stay at home forever while he was partying on. And what, <laughs> what, what was your sort of initial feelings around, you know, starting the firm and any sort of trepidations or, you know, what, what was your thesis going into it? Um, like I say, I'm, I'm ambitious and, you know, I should, probably shouldn't admit this, but I'm a gambler as well, right? I enjoy the thrill of, of gambling, right? And uh, <laughs> so for me, launching a new firm, in my eyes, in a from an already established base, didn't feel like too much of a gamble. And even if it did, I didn't really care because I, I could see the bigger picture, if that makes sense. So, so for me, you know, there was minimal risk, minimal startup costs. You know, it started off with you know, just me going out there and, and selling our services as, as a crypto firm and learning about crypto. And then we grew the team as the clients grew. So the, the risk, if you like, was, was quite small. And, and like I say, the gambling part, I mean, wanted to, to, you know, you don't win big unless you you risk something. Do you know what I mean? And that was my philosophy. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you're risking your time or opportunity costs, right? <laughs> and your, your downside wasn't was never going to be huge. It wasn't huge, no. The risk was you take a bit of focus off Nephos. Nephos doesn't grow as quick as it should, and then you kind of got to backtrack a little bit and, and try and get back on pace with that one. But that's the only risk, really. And and we'd already built a base. We'd already built a good business that, that could sustain the short period of, of, of trying to win clients. And we'd have known quite quickly if we weren't going to win any. And then so the, what are the types of clients that you typically minor takes on? Is it sort of individuals that are... That are heavily into crypto businesses. Who? What? What's the typical client that the firm has now? Yeah. So again, you know, the crypto firm naturally has you know every type of crypto client you can imagine. You know, I was literally on, on the phone just before this to a to an NFT project, and you know their proposition is they want to give half of their earnings from to charity. So you know, big the big thing we've been talking to them about is how we can structure their you know crypto side in order to give back to charity and and all those sorts of things. You know, we've got crypto gaming projects. We've got 
metaverse projects. Um, so pretty much everything you can think of in the crypto space, we work with or we have worked with in the you know during this time. And then naturally, loads and loads and loads of individual speculative or you know kind of uh, educated traders as well. You know, we we've, we've probably done. God knows between 120, 130 tax returns over the last four or five months. So it's been it's been pretty hectic from that side of it. But you know that's really exciting. And and what it's really made us realise as well is that we should be looking at to what area of expertise Nefos can focus on as well, because it's been very clear to us focusing on this this kind of trajectory of crypto that actually when you specialise in something and you really focus your marketing on it, you focus your energy on it, all of those things the work is there's so much work out there for you to go and win so it's then made us rethink well what is our speciality what's our ideal client what do we want in nephos that we can then bring that same passion if you like to the to the brand that we have with with minor so it's been a really interesting journey in that sense as well and where are your thoughts up to in in that sense where where do you think that's going to end up I mean, for us, it's, you know, it's interesting because, again, I was recording some videos a couple of days ago, so it's kind of fresh in my mind. But for us, it's, you know, we can work with anyone. And we've always said that, right? And and in, in one sense, I like that. But then on the flip side, you know, you kind of think, where do you enjoy and where do you make money? And and for me, we and it sounds obvious, but we want a business that's going to value what we do, value who we are, value the financial side of a business, you know, and, and, and it sounds obvious, but not, not everyone does. But also we want a business that's, that wants to embrace tech because we're, we're 100% tech focused, right? So we want businesses that are going to embrace the technology that we're working with and not fight against it. So our kind of, we've kind of narrowed that down to kind of like the digital agencies, um, recruitment businesses, we've got quite a few of those and, and we can really help help guide them. And then we've got you know, quite a big kind of tech influence with minor and, and things. So we're then looking down the the kind of cyber um, space as well and businesses like that. So try and keep that whole tech feel across across the brands really. So not not necessarily, you know, sticking to a, a strict vertical, but so not, not necessarily, you know, sticking to a, a strict vertical, but clients that have got some similar attributes like tech progressive, typically perhaps a younger clientele, perhaps they're um, fast growing or, or at least have growth mindset, right? Absolutely. Like you say, the ones that value that advice because they want to use it to grow themselves or their business. And, and like you say, if they're younger, you know, we probably shouldn't generalize, but if they're younger, they're more likely to embrace technology, embrace new ways of thinking. And We're stereotyping. I'm stereotyping, sorry. <laughs> but, it, but it's true. You know, it is It is. It is true. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, so in... In the US, each, my ignorance, uh, love to ask this question. In the US, like uh, each, you know, crypto transaction is like a capital gain or loss. Is that the same in the UK? Yeah. So in in the UK, the basic rules are any crypto to crypto trade is a capital gain activity and any disposal of any kind, be that, you know, using crypto to pay for services, gifting it to a friend. Or just selling it, you know, will will incur a, a capital gains liability. So, yeah, they're pretty much all over you in terms of tax on pretty much anything you can do in crypto, unfortunately. Yeah. So the spreadsheets must get ridiculous. 
Yeah, well, you say that, but actually, we're, we're you know, again, we're talking tech firm here. So, you know, a lot of what we do is software based. And, and I, again, I had this conversation with a client earlier who was complaining that one of the softwares, complaining is the wrong word, actually, kind of raising the question that, that one of these softwares may not be kind of transacting everything properly. And I, and I said, look, you've got about 5,000 transactions. If 50 of those are, we've got to manually go through and, and, and fix, but the other four and a half thousand, whatever it is, you know, are right, then that saved us a hell of a lot of time and a hell of a lot of work. So I think, you know, we forget sometimes that these, you know, these systems can do a lot of the grunt work and do a lot of that stuff. So we don't actually use spreadsheets very often for the crypto side of it because there's just too much. And, you know, it's not like a share trader is quite, you know, you might find that they, you know, they buy some Apple, they sell it, they buy some Google, they sell it, you know, it's quite straightforward. But with crypto being so kind of, what's the word, interoperable, is it? You know, where it can all kind of like interlink together. It's really difficult. And and, and again, you know, most kind of, if you're a basic kind of retail share trader, you're going to use a couple of platforms at most maybe. You know, with crypto, you've got to use about 15 if you want to cover every kind of base that people want to cover. So again, trying to manage all that through spreadsheets is a nightmare. So yeah, so software is, again, the focus of everything we do. So again, leads on to that whole piece around using that to, to, to do a better job for the clients as well. Yep. So what does the tech stack look like? What software is available to manage this process now? It, it depends on the individuals of business. And, and, and you know, as annoying as it sounds, it also depends on the kind of the crypto exchange you're working with. And, and the best way I describe it is if you imagine um, Zero and QuickBooks, and you imagine that Zero would only work with you know, UK banks such as HSBC and Barclays, and QuickBooks would only work with Lloyds and someone else, for example. If you're a Lloyds bank customer, you can't use Xero. You have to use QuickBooks because they just haven't interacted with with Xero. Um, so it's very, very similar with that in the crypto space in that if you use, you know, Phantom, for example, which is one of the, the chains, that's only supported on a couple of softwares, not some others. So then you've got to kind of make sure you choose the right software that fits what you do. So ultimately, it involves a, a software such as, um, so one we use is called Acquainting, quite aptly named. And then we've got one called Crypto Tax Calculator, quite clear what they do. <laughs> and then another one called Coinly. So, you know, there's kind of, they're the kind of the three kind of main tools we use from a personal perspective. And then on the business side, there's a really, really clever piece of kit called Cryptio. And what that does is that takes all your kind of business transactions. So again, crypto, but business related from your exchange or what have you. And then you can categorize everything and then post those journals directly into zero. So that really speeds up that kind of crypto bookkeeping perspective, if you know what I mean. So, but obviously all of that sure is, is, is managed by carbon in, in, in the middle there, of course, but. <laughs> so there's not a consolidated stack yet. I mean, it's obviously still a lot of development to go in in this area in terms of being able to manage it easily and effectively and and in multiple jurisdictions absolutely it's a bit of a you've got to piece a few bits of the puzzle together in order to finish off that job uh, one way shape or form but ultimately you know if you wanted to call it it's zero which is from a business perspective is still our you know we're 100 percent zero nephos we're 100 percent zero in minor and and it's then just finding the tools that can plug in as it is with any industry, and it just happens, obviously, like you say, that crypto hasn't quite evolved that whole tech stack yet. So we're still finding those bits and pieces that plug in. Yeah, it's sort of, you know, the ver- vertical software for the crypto industry is the same, well, is, is much newer, more, comp- well, somewhat complex. 
Uh, same as managing, you know, your veterinarian business or your, I don't know, your hairdresser or whatever. I mean, you, you <laughs> and then it ends up in the general ledger in one way or another. Exactly. And, and, you know, hairdressers as an example, you know, they've just had longer as a as an industry to develop a bit of software that, that can link to zero and do, you know, and, and crypto will get there. We're just not quite, not quite there yet. And, and are you are you sort of close to some of these vendors have you had some interaction with 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 them to try and influence the roadmap etc <laughs> yeah again absolutely you know feeding back what what clients are saying to us you know there aren't many of us around by us i mean crypto accountants that are really dedicated to crypto you know and 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 that's our main focus right so when we pop up and we talk to them they want to listen because naturally you know a bit like you guys at carbon you know you want to improve you want to make things better and the only way to do that is to listen to your customers so yeah, they're they're very open to those conversations and, and very supportive. And also they're all fighting, and I know you know everybody is, but you know, they're fighting for a new market rather than a, an existing market. So, you know, they've all if they want to be number one, you know, what might have been number one six months ago might not be number one today because of the way the market evolves. So, you know, so they've all got to really do their bit to to be number one. And I mean the the money coming into the investment coming into the crypto space is Pretty extraordinary, and not unexpected, I guess. As as the industry grows, as the as the capital invested grows, and have you seen a lot of that in the UK as well? I mean, in particular, I'm thinking about the the Andreessen Horowitz spin off fund. It's one of those things with crypto, you see, because it's still such a new thing, right? When the money flows in, everyone kind of jumps up and down and gets excited about it because it's it's a big amount of money in a small market in comparison to the rest of you know global markets but it's still so so small and it's still it's amazing how many conversations we have every single day with new entrants into the market that have never you know have no idea what to do from an accounting perspective have no idea what to do in terms of a business perspective and i think the one thing that that the uk as an industry is lacking is if they want to be a crypto hub if they want to be a fintech hub whatever you want to call it they've got to they've got to provide more education i think around what what it, you know, what the benefits of having a crypto business in the UK, and you know, what are the accounting rules and regulations? Have got to be, they've got to be much more clear on, I think, on that perspective. And so, at the moment, we see a lot of businesses set up in other jurisdictions, sometimes European, Singapore, Dubai, because their governments are much more kind of open and expressive towards crypto, and therefore that's where the the organisations, you know, maybe look to to set up and naturally they still need our support from an accounting perspective but the money isn't flowing into tax revenue into the uk if they don't you know if the uk don't kind of put together a framework that can allow it you know my thing at the moment is we really want the uk to kind of practice what they preach in terms of saying they want to be a fintech crypto hub actually let's get on and do it and by doing it it means putting regulatory frameworks and 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 proper kind of guidance and stuff are you confident that that <laughs> that Boris will be able to <laughs> get get his shit together? <laughs> I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I'm confident. Do, do you want to know who the biggest advocate of crypto is that I've seen? Matt Hancock, and he's not exactly flavor of the month in this country. He was the former um, health secretary during the COVID and got sacked for breaking rules. 
So he's not exactly flavor of the month, but he's quite a big crypto advocate. <laughs> Maybe you should have stuck to that instead of... Um... <laughs> exactly. Breaking COVID rules. But yeah, I think, you know, th there's an organization in the UK called Crypto UK, and we're very close to them. They're kind of the trade body, if you like, for, for crypto and lobbying government and things like that. And there is a, a parliamentary group about, you know, crypto and, and headed up by an MP. It is getting there, but it at the moment, it does seem a huge disconnect between what the authorities and the government think and what the actual kind of people on the ground think and, and the people that are actually creating the innovation. You know, the, the US hasn't covered themselves in glory in terms of being, you know, clear on the regulatory environment for crypto. And traditionally, I guess, you know, it's probably only the last, what, decade where the UK has even learned how to turn on a computer in the government, right? So, you know, for them to at least have a, have a stance and... And a, and a working group and all that, well, you know, that's probably a good sign. <laughs> I don't know the Australian sort of regulatory environment. I don't know if they've sort of, uh, you know, been crypto forward, if you like. <laughs> yeah, I don't know much about Australia either myself, but I think it's one of these challenges, isn't it, for kind of the more de developed governments, let's say, where it is a high-risk industry at the moment and it, and it is it does have its element of rogue nature about it whatever we say you know I'm, I'm i'm all one that says you know there's rogue people in every industry you can't stop it, it you know it's going to happen in, in one sense but but i and i think that's probably what holds back these more kind of um developed western or whatever governments is that they think well we need a little bit more maturity before we can really you know kind of grab it by the horns if you like and and, and sort it out whereas you know, a uh, Singapore or Dubai or somewhere like that are a little bit more kind of free, if you like, to to take a punt, given their kind of status, you know, in, in the global economy and stuff. So I think, you know, it's great for them. It gives them opportunities to bring in, you know, business and, and to become a hub for these things. But yeah, it just means the, the other governments are a bit slower to, to react, maybe. Yeah. And I don't think any sort of first world country has kind of got other things on their mind, right? Like, um, some issues in the Russian area and uh, COVID, <laughs> a few, a few, a few balls in the air, right? So, uh, I see El Salvador tourism is up thirty percent since uh, making the cryptocurrency Bitcoin legal tender in September. So maybe we'll just all have to move to El Salvador. Do you think? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was reading somewhere that they're going to create a Bitcoin city or something. I don't know if that was in El Salvador or somewhere else, but that would be quite interesting. A city built on Bitcoin. Well, I think Puerto Rico has has welcomed Bitcoin as well and and cryptocurrencies. A lot of sort of liberal and freedom advocates from America that have, have moved down there to sort of um, but be a little bit more perhaps less government oriented. <laughs> put it that way yeah and i think if you look at some of these places so you've got like say el salvador panama has been touted as one you know puerto rico like you said uh, all these sorts of places they're also very heavily reliant on the us dollar aren't they so if they can move away from that and become less reliant on on you know that then for their own independence it's a, it's it's naturally a huge step for them isn't it but yeah we're still quite a way off you know them replacing their whole monetary system from US dollar to Bitcoin and things like that, and that being a global kind of situation, if you like. But it definitely makes sense for the. Again, it comes back to that risk factor, doesn't it? You know, they've got much less of a risk in trying it because what's the worst that's going to happen, type thing. 
Yeah, their, their economy collapses, which it was going to anyway. <laughs> yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I don't think again, if they do it slowly, they they sh- you know they should be able to have enough you know kind of US dollar back stuff to be able to kind of push on. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting. We'll all watch, and they'll be laughing at the end probably. That's right. Yeah, you've missed out on your uh, on your old Silverdor mansion because it's gone <laughs> gone up. <laughs> 300 times in the last 10, five years, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Bitcoin's at about $35,000 today. You know, El Salvador sit on it, it goes to a million dollars a token, then uh, they're laughing and <laughs> they're the wealthiest nation in the world. They're the world's superpower, that's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They'll take back the Ukraine. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, it's horrific. The, um, but one of the issues in making... Bitcoin more mainstream in terms of tender though is 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 the volatility. Yeah, absolutely, and like you say, it is, it is clear. But I think it, it's that chicken and egg, isn't it? It's it's volatile because not enough people use it. If more people use it, it becomes less volatile. But people won't use it because you know, and it's that it's that whole point. At some point, you've got to say we need to now accept this is something that the world wants. For example, and at that point, then you know, does it then does that take away some of the volatility? you know, potentially. So yeah, as we as we said at the start, naturally it's it's a risky asset. So in times like this, people run away from risky assets and buy solid assets or stick the money in cash, don't they? So you've just got to move that that trajectory, I guess, to a more risk to a more risk averse, if you like, asset. You know, again, chicken and egg, but you know, the taxation treatment of of crypto makes it difficult to sort of see how it in first world Western countries at least makes it difficult to see how it can be legitimately used as, as tender easily. I mean... Yeah, they'd have to change the tax rules, wouldn't they? But that's that's the thing at the moment. In most kind of Western countries, if you like, you know, and, and you know, we're, we're not, as a government, we're not seeing it as a currency. We're seeing it as an asset class. So, you know, that's why it's taxed in the way it is. So it naturally, like you say, if it was to be a currency, recognised currency, it would have to change. You don't want to get your salary in Bitcoin every week and having to pay capital gains on it. <laughs> the minute you buy your minute, your minute you buy a burger down the road, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the Colorado guy, and he's accepted his uh, salary. Well, he's going to accept his salary in um, in Bitcoin. We're not doing very well in our in our rapid googling today, are we? I did I did find the the fund that I was uh, talking about before, and and her name is Katie Juan, who was a legend at um, just done super well at Andreessen and went out, I think, with the blessing of, of um, uh, the founders and uh, just started a small little $1 billion fund for her first, for her first round. It's like, good on her, you know, like, but it, it is it is indicative of some of the money that's that's starting to flow in and and perhaps you know usually when the where the where the money goes where the smart people go the money goes and each time that somebody does that and invests in companies that are making it a, a more legitimate uh, infrastructure you know the the more likelihood that you know it sort of becomes a, no, a, a more normal uh, way of life Hundred percent, and I fa- I have found the, the story. So it wasn't he's not accepting his salary in crypto. They are saying that they will accept tax payments in Colorado in crypto. Oh, okay. You can pay your property tax in in Colorado somewhere. Uh, my mum actually lived in Denver um, for a while, so I actually inherited the Denver Broncos as my NFL 
uh, team. So obviously when Pat, Pat Bowden died, I think it was like 2017 or something like that. And it's been held in like a family trust or something like that since. And I joined the Discord channel the other day. There's a kind of crypto DAO, so a decentralized autonomous organization that are basically pitching together to buy the Broncos. So um, that'll be quite interesting. Well, I hope they're not going to pay very much. <laughs> the Broncos are pretty shit at the moment. <laughs> yeah, right now, yeah. <laughs> well, you and I can can put together half a Bitcoin and we should be able to take over the Broncos. The um, <laughs> We'll have to buy a quarterback though somewhere. The... Um, there was a similar organization which was, you know, in one part humorous and one part really interesting, you know, where they they essentially did like a GoFundMe, a, a distributed GoFundMe where they all sort of, you know, were putting in to buy the a copy of the Constitution, that one of the, the one of the few copies of the Constitution. That was a couple of months ago. I don't think it came off though, did they? Something happened? No, they didn't succeed. Yeah, they didn't. I don't think they raised enough money to be able to do it but so that's the the, you know that's one of the new things now in crypto is this DAO like I said this decentralized autonomous organization it's effectively a committee of people coming together and putting all their money in a pot and using that pot to do whatever they want to do with it And, and the benefits of it are it's completely transparent on the blockchain you know so you can see exactly like I was listening to a podcast the other day about you know DAOs and how they work and things like that and and they were saying effectively you can see the whole DAO's balance sheet on the blockchain because effectively that's that's what it is so you know it's really you know we talk about transparency for companies and transparency for projects and things like that there's no better transparency than an open public ledger that allows you to have a look and and make sure everything's legitimate so yeah it's a it's definitely an interesting thing to watch these kind of like say groups of people coming together putting their money together in crypto and then kind of using that to, to do something with I'm sure it will create good, but I'm also sure it will create some problems. Maybe loads of Kansas City Chiefs fans will come together and buy the Broncos and make them even worse. <laughs> well, they'd tip them over. <laughs> They've got their own worries at the moment. I think, you know, for such an amazing quarterback, the um, the, the last uh, half of their last game was, was a bit of a concern. Maybe it was just a bad day, but... Um, I, I would still like to be in their shoes with a quarterback like that, put it that way. Yeah, yeah, you probably wouldn't send him back still. <laughs> no. Yeah, I think I think a lot of the problems are fixable when you've got a guy like that running the side, haven't you? So um but yeah, it's interesting space. Well what's what's next for you guys, Joe? What what do you think is the the future for, for Miner and the future for Nephos? Well domination. <laughs> um, you know, I think I think our future for, for minor especially, our, you know, our future is to become if if we're not already in the UK, the kind of the number one kind of crypto accounting you know firm, you know, that's goal number one is to be that in the UK, and and then after that, it's to it's to grow that internationally. You know, we don't we don't need to be you know specialists in tax in in I don't know Singapore in order to run the accounting function of a crypto business. We can we can employ people as in you know, consultants or, or, or businesses in those sorts of areas where we can, you know, partner with them, if you like, in order to do the tax compliance and things like that. But in terms of the crypto side, you know, we can help around the world. So it genuinely is, that you know, that kind of international expansion, you know, and the opportunities that we didn't really have as a kind of, you know, local accounting firm that, that Nephos is. So, yeah, so that that's kind of the plan, I guess, to keep growing the team, keep growing the client base, keep doing good stuff, keep learning, you know, keep watching this industry evolve, 
and see where that goes. And I think for Nefos, it's it's just about kind of riding that wave as well and finding its focus and its kind of like you know kind of uh, light bulb moment that that drives that business forward. And um, and as a group, I think you know we can do some really interesting stuff. We've we've got a mortgages arm to the business, so we can offer mortgages. You know, we're looking at wealth management and bringing on a you know, wealth management kind of provider as well to, to, to kind of have that professional services, both finances for individuals and for businesses kind of all under one roof. So I think Nephos will look a bit more like a kind of group, if you like, of, of professional financial services firms and, and then mine will just fly off into the sunset and uh, and deal with crypto. There you go. That's That sounds like pretty good plan for world domination. And, and what about crypto in the UK? Do you think... You know, obviously, the you know the the weight of investment, the weight of interest in crypto globally will, will probably you know is probably see the UK go more or less to trend, I guess. But but is there anything in particular? Is there anything really interesting that you're seeing in terms of financial services or in crypto in the UK that 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 has caught your interest? Yeah, I mean, it's an, it's an interesting one because again, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. You know, that every time we see a little bit of real kind of push forward in, in, in industry and in innovation, we seem to have a roadblock. And recently that roadblock was, we've released some new tax guidance in the UK around DeFi, so decentralized finance. And it's been quite prohibitive. And that's kind of then put a bit of a block on quite a few clients actually that were talking about the innovation projects they were looking at doing. They're kind of going, well, do we want to do it in the UK now? We're we going to be in a bit of a situation where we don't want to be. So yeah, I think, I think the UK just needs to kind of understand what it wants and where it wants to be within that space. And I think after that, it's got the opportunity to be, you know, we've got some great businesses, we've got some great people in this country, some really skilled people, you know, um, some great innovators. And London is a financial hub, you know, it is, it is a, you know, it is a fintech hub as well. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we'll, yeah, we'll be, we'll be looking back on this in a year or so's time thinking, you know, that we went in the right direction and we, and we really took the opportunity. So, that's my message to, to to the government. If you get the government on your podcast, uh, <laughs> is to really kind of focus on it. I'll get our producers to put a call into Boris and if he can, uh, if he's not hung over. What about other countries? Is there is there uh, s- some other things that you've seen globally that uh, you've found? Oh, okay, I wouldn't mind sort of be, being a part of that or or research that some more. Yeah, so um, like Dubai, for example, have, have kind of created a, a crypto hub uh, in their kind of what they call World Trade Center, which is their kind of business district there. They've um, brought on some crypto. So Binance, you know, one of the, or the biggest exchange in the world, have, have partnered with them to kind of build out this crypto hub, and which I think is really exciting. So I'm really looking forward to kind of exploring that a bit more. I'm really interested in VR and in the metaverse and what that might look like. I'm not a gamer. I'm not someone that would sit on, you know, games, you know, Minecraft, my kids play Minecraft and, you know, all these sorts of things. So I'm not, I'm not that type of person, but I think from a business perspective, there's some real opportunities, you know, Zoom's great and Teams is great and Meet's great and all these things, right? They do what they need to do, but none of them do what, what the metaverse and what VR can do. And I recently got an Oculus headset. And a, and a colleague of mine who's quite tech focused as well bought one and he's he's remote to the office so you know he's not here so we did a meeting in the metaverse and it was just it was just really cool it was really good fun because you actually get to you kind of see people you know moving and interacting and it just 
like it just felt like a really interesting space and I, I, I you know i'm not I'm not sitting here and saying that, you know, it's, it's the be all and end all, you know, it's, I totally understand concerns about it. I totally understand people thinking, well, what's the point, you know, and I'm not, I'm not that type of person as such, but I do really think that that for me is one of the really exciting spaces, I think for, for kind of blockchain and crypto is to really kind of hone in on that. And can we change the way that we operate as a, as a nation and, and as a world and, and, and how we interact with people and, you know, things like that. I think people could could be more excited about it if it if it was being propositioned by a more ethical organisation. <laughs> yeah, I understand. <laughs> Nobody benefited more, arguably, out of COVID than than Zoom did, and uh, you know a lot of the the ex Webex guys, but or and and you know I, I get it. I mean, I've I've thought about it too. You know, it would be good to be able to sort of, you know, th- there's got to be something more to life than I mean. You know, look at my calendar today. Well, I'm just uh, sitting in here in Mexico, of all places, on Zoom, and it would be nice to be able to sort of have that interaction, have that better, more social interaction, have that more 3D interaction, and maybe there's rooms, maybe there's hologram. I don't know. There's there's a lot of much smarter people than you or I, Joe, to, that are working on this. So hope, hopefully, at some point, we can. Um, not meet in 2D and, and do it in a, a more 3D environment without having to to give British Airways <laughs> money. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And again, it comes with that environmental concern and, you know, all the, you know, all those bits and pieces, they kind of, but the one, the one to look at is at the moment, and I appreciate it, it's still Facebook, but they're the, at the moment they are kind of leading the, the VR kind of space is um, they've got what they call horizon workrooms. So have a look at that. You know, it's really interesting. There's there's even a YouTube, I think it's from mid last year or something, where Mark Zuckerberg's presenting it, and and he's presenting it to uh, what they call news outlets or whatever it might be, something like that. And and he's doing it in the metaverse and in one of their workrooms. And it's you know you can have a whiteboard and you can write on the whiteboard and you can share your screen and show your screen to the rest of the room and people can join if they haven't got a VR headset, they can just join on on kind of video or sound. So um, it's it's a really interesting space. So like I say, it doesn't have to be some crazy world that no one wants to be in it could actually be something fairly simple you know before we started this you know i was fiddling about with my headphones you know it's, n- it's not a huge amount of difference to stick on a vr headset and jump into a meeting in that way you know it seems like hassle but actually i opened this and i put my headphones on in the same way that i could open the the workrooms app and, and, and whack my vr headset on so it's it's not as hard as people think but have a look at it Joe, you and I will do a podcast in the metaverse. How's that sound? Let's do it. Let's do it. I've been looking for an excuse to get a set of, oh, I mean, I just wish it wasn't Facebook because you know what's going to happen, right? We'll, we'll, we'll do a podcast and then, you know, the next day you're going to get ads for whatever we talk about on your Facebook news feed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, I don't have Facebook, so um, I won't get them, but but some people definitely will. Me neither. Well, the, they'll, they'll sell it to somebody who buys it, which <laughs> that you, you do use. <laughs> exactly. But, it's, you know, it's interesting, right, because um, a friend of mine, um, he, he's got a VR as well, and he said, I need to have a chat with you to fancy a game of darts. And I was like, yeah, okay, why not? So we chuck on our VR headsets and, you know, we're sitting in our living rooms and, and playing darts. And But at the same time, we're, we're having a loose meeting, but a meeting, do you know what I mean, talking about work and, and what we need to do and throwing darts and having a laugh. And, you know, so it's a little thing. And you can play golf. You could do a round of golf with people without actually having to go and get wet outside in the lovely 
bet you I'm as shit at golf in the metaverse as I am in real life. <laughs> oh, I tell you though, they give you like, these arrows, and you've just got to follow the arrows. It's you know, it's amazing. Oh god, <laughs> and you can't lose the ball. <laughs> can you throw your clubs? In a <laughs> yeah, yeah, hit people. You can throw darts at people on the darts game, but oh, there um, you go. There yeah, you go. so if they annoy you in a meeting, you can just throw a dart at their head. <laughs> <laughs> Violent violence erupts in in metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh, there, there you go. That's uh, we're going to do a podcast in the metaverse, and that's going to be that's going to be fun. Joe, I've been fascinated to uh, have this conversation with you. I th- uh, we've covered a, a huge amount of ground, and hey, congratulations on all, on all your success with with both Nephos and Minor, and and uh, being at the forefront of anything is not easy, and particularly in the accounting industry because blazing blazing away in uh, what what is a, a traditionally conservative uh, world is is very is is really brave, and uh, you know you should be applauded and for all the success that you've had and all the work that you're putting in. And uh, I, I know that it'll pay off. And, you know, the, the, the team asked me to pass on their thanks and, and our thanks for, uh, you know, being such a great client and customer. And uh, we, we, we love working with you guys and would, would love to catch up in person again. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll find a better venue for drinks where we can actually have a decent conversation next time as opposed to <laughs> being kind of tied into a small space. Yes, yeah, they, they were charging a million dollars an hour for a bit, but uh, no, it was very London. It was so London. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was good fun. It was good to meet everybody and, and catch up. But yeah, like you say, hopefully another time soon. And yeah, really good to talk to you. And thanks for the thanks for the kind words. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you found this discussion interesting, fun, you'll find lots more to help you run a successful accounting firm at Carbon Magazine. There are more than a thousand free resources there, including guides, articles, templates, webinars, and more. Just head to carbonhq.com resources. I'd also love it if you could leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. Let us know you like this session. We'll be able to keep bringing you more guests for you to learn from and get inspired by. Thanks for joining and see you on the next episode of the Accounting Leaders Podcast.